The New Testament book of Philippians is a very good training ground for Christians new or old. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, and it is packed with personal gratitude from the apostle to those Christians. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That's Philippians 1, 3 through 5. The Apostle Paul obviously enjoyed a pleasant relationship with these Christians. He wanted his personal gratitude to be conveyed to them, but also he wanted to urge them on to better things. So we discover statements like this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Similar to that, in Philippians 2, 12 through 16, listen please, Philippians 2, 12 through 16. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Now, it is clear just reading these words, and with just brief contemplation, Paul held these people firmly in his heart, was grateful to God for them, but was anxious to urge them on toward greater diligence in their ongoing response of obedience to Jesus Christ. I want us to observe how Paul instructed these Christians toward excellence. We've talked about this before recently in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. This is what Paul wanted for them. This is what the Lord wanted for them. Can there be any doubt this is what the Lord wants for us, for me and you, for his people today. Our love should abound more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Our progress in the faith should lead us toward the approval of things that are excellent. We've made this one of our goals this year at Laurel Heights from the Philippian letter. Now turn to chapter 3. And this is something we have also mentioned earlier this year. Philippians chapter 3, 
7 through 16. Philippians 3, 7 through 16. Paul said, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I'm continuing in Philippians 3 at verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul offers himself as an example. He describes his conversion in terms of counting all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. All through this passage, there is healthy spiritual ambition to grow, to attain to better things, to forget what is behind and press on, reaching to those things which are ahead. He said in verse 16, what every Christian should be able to honestly confess, I'm pressing on. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, everything I've read from the Philippian letter up to this point gives us the language of excellence. The language of excellence. That's my subject. Pressing toward the goal reaching forward. He speaks of maturity and attainment, living in such a manner in Christ that we eagerly wait for him to come. This is the language of excellence. And as this excellence is pursued, we are led to rejoice in the Lord. Excellence is the pursuit of quality that is ongoing. Excellence is the pursuit of quality that is ongoing. It is doing your personal best consistently, striving to do better. It involves discipline and purpose and endurance of hardship, all based on your faith in Christ. It has to do with things like aim and priorities and daily perseverance. Every Christian should excel to do more. Saying you are a Christian, isn't sufficient. Baptism, if not followed by daily obedience, is of no avail. 
Attendance, if not accompanied by a faithful life, is not adequate. Every Christian should excel to press on toward the goal for the prize. Do you hear excellence in those words? Every Christian should live every moment aware that our citizenship is in heaven. Excellence is not attained on easy terms. It may be, in our time, it is rarely found. Nevertheless, it ought to be cherished and pursued by every one of us. That's my subject. And I want to address it first with this point, excellence in knowledge. You heard this in Philippians 3 and verse 8, where Paul said, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Add to that Colossians 1 and verse 10, that you may have a walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Do you excel in knowledge? Do you know more of Christ now compared to a year ago? Is there a steady increase in your knowledge of the Word of God? Do you come to issues and places in life where you honestly have to say to yourself, I ought to know that? Do you let other people put the time in to study and read and then let them tell you what to believe? Please don't do that. Go to Scripture yourself so that you personally can excel in knowledge. Surely we are aware that an increase in knowledge cannot take place without personal initiative. Excellence in knowledge requires your personal contact with the Word of God. The mere passage of time does not automatically result in an increase in knowledge. You'll have to read the Word of God. Think about what it means. Read it again. Study it more. Learn of Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Discover the meaning of conversion in the book of Acts. Find out for yourself what it means to live by faith in the book of Romans. If you want to become better informed about the sacrifice of Christ, the value of His blood, the meaning of the new covenant, read Hebrews. The glory of suffering as a Christian, 1 Peter. The activity of faith, James. The work of an evangelist, 1-2 Timothy and Titus. The responsibility of being a member of a local church, 1 Corinthians. Excel in knowledge. Add to that excellence in service. And I'm going to turn to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to read about excellence in service in Romans chapter 12, the first eight verses. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, 
but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Do you do what you are able to do to the best of your ability? That's the question. Do you do what you're able to do to the best of your ability? Perhaps you're not able to do everything in that list. The question is, do you do what you're able to do to the best of your ability? The question is not, do you do what others do? The question is not, do you do what others do better? No, do you do what you are able to do to the best of your ability? Teaching, serving, exhorting, giving, leading, showing mercy. Prophecy, I'm not able to do. You're not able to do. But teaching, serving, exhorting, giving, leading, showing mercy, do you do what you're able to do to the best of your ability? Have you found your place Have you searched yourself to discover what you're able to do in the Lord's work? And then, are you doing that urgently with all your might? I believe in each one of us there is the capacity to serve in some way and to improve in that service, to excel. You start by self-examination to find your place, your gift, your talent, Then you engage in that good work with all the appropriate attitude and joy and discipline in pursuit of excellence. I knew a man who obeyed the gospel later in life and struggled for a while to discover what he might do. He was not comfortable doing anything in public. His background did not prepare him for song leading, public praying, or preaching. He didn't have much to give. He was already suffering from the infirmity of age, but he always arrived at the church building early, and it was his practice to stand at the back of the building and greet people as they came in. And one day, a light went on in his head, and he said, This is what I can do. He did it well. He excelled. After a time, he gained more confidence and would go downtown in his southern community and pass out invitations to church services and meetings, and then later tracts with gospel teaching. Before he died, he was responsible for leading several people to the Lord, and it all started when he decided, however small it may seem, he would do what he was able to do, and he would excel in that service. Do you excel in service? He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I have another point 
do we excel in influence? Colossians 4 and verse 5, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. The matter of influence is identified here by one phrase, toward those who are outside. We must never take lightly the influence we exert on others. When I teach a men's training class, for example, I tell the men, everything you do when you stand before an audience sends a message. How you approach the podium, how you are dressed, your eye contact, your tone of voice, your demeanor, your countenance, your gestures, everything contains the message. It has occurred to me it is the same in life. Everything about you has some influence on others. What you say, not only what you say, but how you say it, your dress and where you go and who you're with and how you respond to various things. All that we do exerts some influence on others, good or bad. Do you excel in influence? People see what we do. They see what kind of people we are, and some will imitate us, whether unconsciously or with direct purpose. Some will imitate us. Our children almost certainly will. Paul Gilbert wrote, You are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds you do, by the words that you say. Men read what you write, whether faithless or true, say, What is the gospel according to you? Never in any time, in any dispensation with any people, has it been acceptable to God to simply go through the external motions of religious practice. Some may have the impression that under the Old Covenant, the Jews only had to offer the right sacrifices at the right time at the right place, that no devotion of heart or excellence was required. That's not correct. Over and over, God said he wanted their hearts. The sacrifices and assemblies had their meaning. God set those things in motion, but God wanted those things done from a good and honest heart. So when you come to Matthew 23, 34 to 40, Jesus talked about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. That's obedience from the heart. Obedience from the heart will express itself in excellence, pressing toward the goal, reaching forward, maturing in the faith, growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, doing all those things defined as excellence by Paul in the Philippian letter. The challenge is for me and for you to excel, and that can only come from individual purpose of heart based on our faith in Jesus Christ. Obedience to the gospel is the place to begin and continue with excellence. Thank you for listening.